it is. Aries and Andy, you and the jerk. You know it's time to get this work. The real raw, gutter, uncut cocaine. No political corrections. Always sleep. Fuck being awoke. We discuss politics and jokes. We lick. There's levels to this shit. Before you were sucking on your mama's tits. Aries Spears don't give a fuck. We talk about race a lot. Racism. Sexism. Much love to my loyal bitch bag holders. Rollers, clip loaders. We got them in the folders. The whole world on our shoulders. Spears and Steinberg. Yeah! Run up and get touched up. Suicide. <laughs> and all of y'all know my style. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm glad you're appreciating the podcast that Aries and I have painstakingly put together for you. And if you could just click on that like and subscribe button, we'd appreciate that. Thank you very please, much. Please, 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 it's alive. <laughs> it's alive. That took a few minutes. Yeah, we're back. We had some technical difficulties. We, we did. Uh, so I walked in the end. So we were going to call this, uh, I said, sh- just shooting the shit part two. Cause we, we, we were just conversating again. Uh, but then, uh, Andy came up. What was the Jewish Kibitzing. word? Kibitzing. Kibitzing. What does that mean? Talking just, shit? Just talking shit. Conversation. Just a little, little conversation. He has a book on his bed. What's it called? Learning know. how to speak Hebrew. Yeah. The introduction to Hebrew or something like that. Yeah. See, I think you are more connected to your Jewish side. Cause I've never seen a book called, uh, Speaking Spanish. I know how I can speak a little bit of Spanish, and I understand sp- a little bit of Spanish, but uh, uh, Mexico didn't get attacked. <laughs> oh, so you prepare for war? <laughs> no, man. I just, uh, I, I'm just. It really, it made me consider my Jewish heritage uh-huh. and the fact that I do. Under, I grew up in a Mexican household, so I understand that side of me more than I understand my Jewish side. So now, um, now um, I, I need to understand it so that I can understand. Okay. I, I'm always trying to understand. I'm not trying to tell anybody anything. I'm trying to understand. Yeah. And I don't know if that makes a difference. I don't know about that. Cause when we be having our race conversations, sometimes you don't be trying to understand. No, I, try to I tried to know. I tried to understand. You think no, it no, no, no. I'll tell you what I think. That doesn't mean I'm not trying to understand you. All right. Um, first up on the, uh, just talking, talking points the matt rife controversy first of all here it is Um, you can play it let's give it to you yeah because i i played it i didn't understand it domestic violence in his netflix special the hostess who like seats you at the restaurant had a black eye and my boy who i was with was like yeah i feel bad for her man i feel like they should put her in the kitchen or something where nobody (laughs) nobody has to see her face you know and i was like yeah but i feel like if she could cook she wouldn't have that black eye. The comedian appeared. And of course, uh, all of his legion of female vaginal pussy wet lover followers are up in arms. How could he make a joke about domestic violence? And here's the genius of Matt Rife. And you know, I sent out a post and uh, let me cut through some of the meat get to the meat and potatoes you know I, I again and we've made this point on the podcast where i go uh, the, uh are, are women funny of course they are are they as funny as men to which i said like i said on the podcast no it's like i said i think women being women get in the way of comedy 
because of their natural, God-given, nurturing, mother-like, loving... uh, Empathy. Empathy qualities. Whereas men, we have a childlike immaturity that stays with us till we die. Um, So, yeah. Uh, And that being said, uh, of course, you know, the women in the couple clips I saw was like... And and this is again, and I and you know I'm doing this on stage with the Lizzo shit. When I go, women, when y'all get mad, y'all got the behavior and the uh, you, you, and the behavior traits of children uh, because you don't deal in sense, logic, rationale. You deal in anger and emotion. For women, it's, it's such a vaginal thing when women were going, well, uh, you know, he calls himself a comedian, but to be a comedian, you have to be funny. And it's like, okay, again, we know, subjective. But that's such a vaginal response, you know, because clearly he's funny. And, 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 and I've always said this about Matt and what I've always loved about him. And I said, look, man, he got the Sugar Ray Leonard, Oscar De La Hoya factor. Don't let the pretty boy look fool you. That nigga got comedic hands. He's nice with it. What I loved is how he doubled down and suckered people in when he said, if you want to hear my apology, Go to this link. It's my official apology. Then when you clicked onto the link, it was for the ability to purchase special needs helmets. <laughs> fucking genius. So, so the fact that he stood his ground, he, he's, he, he, and listen, this is a dude who people will go, well, if it wasn't for the social media and the women, he wouldn't be where he is because that's what blew him up. No, his talent blew him up, you know? The, the women came and supported him based on his talent. Um, but the fact that, you know, he could have he could have easily went, man, I don't want to piss off my fan base. I'm so sorry. Put his tail between his legs. But he didn't. He's a true warrior. He said, not only am I not going to apologize, but here's my apology, which is a joke upon the joke. Fucking gee, I love him. No, I, I mean, I think it's great because of this. Uh, he got famous really famous because of his crowd work. And in his crowd work, he's taking uh, obviously some valuable skills that he learned from Wiling Out, which is roasting. And when you are famous for roasting, uh, nothing is off the table. When you're at a roast, nothing's off the table. Go watch the roast. Go watch the roasts that are going on at at, at the comedy store in LA. We have people uh, that are trans. We have people that have special needs. And they're roasting those qualities about the person on stage. Now, it is true that those people got on stage and they're willing to know that they're going to get roasted. But as I watch Matt Reif's uh, clips, he's roasting regular average women in the audience. He's saying stuff that when he says it, I'm like, damn, like he yeah. fucking hit them. Yeah. And the women are, are loving it. So here's, here's where it comes down to. These are people that have that don't really know Matt that are talking about Matt. They know of him, but they don't know him. They don't watch right. his clips. They don't see right. it. They don't understand what people are coming out for. And as I've said this before, uh, uh, laughter, uh, that guttural response is a coping mechanism. And this is how we cope with shit. We laugh at fucked up shit. And that whole joke was <laughs> fucked up. But it's making you realize something about uh, domestic violence. It makes it and made it funny for maybe, maybe, and, and it's hard to say that it maybe made it funny, but it might have made it funny for someone who might have suffered through some shit and needs to laugh about it because that's how they get through it. I'm, I'm working shit about my dad right now passing away in our horrible relationship that we had. And I'm said some shit on stage and it gets the hugest laugh. And I'm like, damn, they, they, they're going with me on it. Right. 
because people need that because people have suffered. And when you have suffered, some of that shit resonates with you in a funny way that you wouldn't think like the average person who hasn't suffered from anything like that wouldn't think that a person who has gone, you want to be upset for that person who's gone through it because you haven't. But if you've gone through it, you might need that. You might have found a different outlet with that joke that, that the person who hasn't gone through it had, didn't feel. And that's why you got to hold up and you got to listen and know who he is and what he responded to. And I love the fact that basically his apology is a roast on people who had who who needed an apology so bad <laughs> that they wanted to go or look feel up entitled to, to that apology. Right. That they wanted to go look it up. And he basically told you, get a helmet, Ooh, man. Oh, fuck you, you to think that you did. Dude, and, and listen, it's like rules to the game. That's why it's like it killed me again. I know some of this might sound repetitive, but when you walk your ass through that door, and I look I, again to this day, I'm I see love, this is our pizza. I'm sorry. Oh, are they calling you right now? I don't know. Hello. Okay. Wait. Hey. Wait. Wait. When are you? Wait, are you? You you're in the hotel right now? Okay. I'll I'll be here. I'm in room nine ten. You want me to come down, or are you gonna come up? You're coming. Okay. Ninth floor. That, that's rare because, you know, safety issues. They'd be like, Thank you, you got to come down. And I hate that shit. Otherwise, why the fuck are you calling it a delivery if I got to meet you? Why the fuck am I tipping if I got to come down? Exactly. <laughs> Motherfucker, bring the pizza. Goddamn. Okay. I'm, I'll tip you half what I was going to since I have to meet exactly. you halfway. Uh, but I love that to this day how you use the term dojo. Like, just wait till he knocks on the door. I'm going to go get the money. Oh, I, I got the money. All right. That's even better. He has the money. Yeah, I got the money. I make a joke all the time uh, when people ask me if when we're doing when we're selling merch, they say, "Are you? Uh, uh, do, you do you? Can I pay for this together?" I go, "Nah, Aries doesn't let his big money touch my little money." Big money, take little big bank, take <laughs> little bank. Um, but I, to this day, I love that you use the term dojo. Like when you walk into our dojo, yeah, it's our job as the masters to teach you the class members, not the other way around. Um, you know, this is an education for you. This is an experience for you that we're giving you. Uh, you're not giving us anything. Um, and, you know, like I said, I love it. I love that he stood on his ground. Uh, and, 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 and you kind of hit the nail on the head a little bit when it's like, you know, once you blow up, now everybody's almost like jumping in on the ride. But if you don't know the origins of this person, who they really are, uh, then yeah, you you gonna be shocked because you you jumping in on the hype. Matt Matt is blown up. Like I saw where this motherfucker ain't got a billboard in Times Square. Motherfuckers on Jimmy Kimmel or Jay Fallon. Uh, they showed him on the jumbotron at the Garden, sitting courtside. Yeah, so now everybody's wanting to jump on the Matt Rife train, the Matt Rife hype. Uh, uh, uh. Without, you know, if you don't really, if you aren't really a true fan and don't know this man's work, well, then, yeah, you're going to be shocked. That's what I'm saying. He got them comedic hands, man. This motherfucker doesn't bend or fold, and he brings it. You know, I love when he said, it's crazy because dudes will come to my show and their body language is, hmm, because they mad they women like them. And women, halfway through the show, it flips. Women are horrified, like, oh, this ain't the motherfucker I thought. And now the guys are the women. They're like, yeah, we like this motherfucker. You know, it's personal taste. And he, I, I understand that this is a joke about domestic violence. So we're not going to talk about it. We're not going to make address let it. Me, let me tell you something, man. And, and this is, again, I always say this is the brilliance. 
when you deal with subjects that are hard to deal with, rape, domestic violence, abortion, race, gender, politics, religion, those are the taboo, those are the trigger buttons. And if you make a great fucking joke on a trigger button topic, you can't help but tip your hat to the motherfucker. One of the greatest domestic jokes ever. I'm sorry. And even though me and him don't really got love for each other no more, Corey Holcomb. Fellas, if you hit your woman with an open hand, it's not domestic abuse. That's just you rebooting the system. <laughs> Come on. It's hilarious. How many times have we smacked the TV trying to get the fuzziness to clear? And the fact that he would compare a woman out of line to don't ever hit your woman with a closed fist. You got to do it with open hand because that's just you rebooting the system. That's hilarious, nigga. Uh, my favorite moment that I've ever had doing a joke, because I love the inappropriate joke. I love right. the joke that you shouldn't tell. I love it so much that even last night, I, I, the audience wasn't giving me what I wanted, and I went to the uh, to the to one of the darker jokes that I have, right. and I ruined that whole show for me at the beginning, and I had to build it back up. And that's the, that's the beauty of comedy to me, when I can take them to a place they absolutely didn't want to go, they weren't even having the joke, and I could bring them all the way back to the end where they went, that was great. Right. That to me is amazing, but one of my favorite ones is I did a joke about abortion in front of uh, from a chick when we were in um, in uh, Denver, and that chick. How much is pizza? Thirty something dollars. Hold on, we'll be right back. We're back. You know, normally Andy and I would put the podcast on pause so we could eat our fucking pizza. Uh, but you know what? We're going to pull a Nick Turturro, John Turturro's brother, my boy Nick, and do a Breaking Bread, which was supposed to be the original name of this podcast until he found out what a terrible idea that was. Uh, so we're going to eat and drink while we have this conversation. Uh, but what I'm going to do is I'm going to master my chewing time. When Andy's talking, I'll be chewing. <laughs> and when, when I'm talking, he'll be chewing. So that way you don't have to hear us chew. I don't know if that's going to work for me, but I'm going to do my best <laughs> not to fuck up your, your, uh, these your are drive. Like, or, these are like hors d'oeuvre slices. I, you know, this, is, this, this is supposed to be a medium. I don't know how this is a medium. This is as small in any other land that I've been. But mm. anyway. Uh, we're eating this mountain man. You know what? Let's let's tell them, and we can tell them if we like it or not. We're in San Jose, and we want to eat something. I was going to order Chinese food, but the only one that we had was uh, we didn't find any Chinese food. The Asian food that we found was just soup. We didn't say like, what kind like, of like fuck. Yeah, it didn't say whether, v- not Vietnamese. Yeah, it didn't say whether what what kind of was. It didn't say it was ramen. It didn't say it just was. It had like Asian letters, and it was soup. So we we went with pizza. Trying to eat better. Do you like pho? Have you ever had yeah, pho? Yeah, oh, I love it. I love it, but it, it's not to-go food to me. It's not delivered that to me. That's where I yeah, go you in eat, there. You eat that. You got to eat that there. Yeah, and I want to put it hot, and I want to yeah. put all uh, the, the, the spices in it. I yeah. want to do all the... No, so anyway, here we are. Anyway, I don't even remember where what we would were a, I, I do. Uh, what would a black dude say to a person that's eating pho? Uh... Uh, that's eating pho, and he don't like pho. Fud? 
Nah, nigga, why you eating that? What you eating that fuh fuh? Terrible, right? Yeah, well, well, it wasn't your best. Well, it was a little joke. Yeah, I know, but you know you're a professional. That was a professional bad joke. <laughs> uh, you were talking about Denver. You were bringing up Denver. Um, and I made this the joke about. Now I'm a chew. Yeah, go ahead. Eat. And I made the joke. Why are you talking? I did it an abortion joke, and the chick coming after after me. This is when we were in Denver, and um, um, Jay Moore gave me a guest set, so I'm coming up before the feature, and I do my I do this abortion joke, and it pissed her off. It pissed her off. The lady. Yeah, she didn't like it. She didn't think men should be doing abortion jokes. So now, <laughs> so now I'm doing more abort. I'm doing it more often now because of her. And that bitch called herself a comic. I, she was she was upset. She she wasn't mad, but she let me know she didn't like it. She didn't think men should do abortion jokes, and I I, I helped you. Like I just figure, you know, uh, you can't have an abortion without me. Mm. If I put if I put it in, <laughs> I mean, you might be getting it, but I'm I set it up. That's like saying there's a lob that's playing basketball and someone throws the pass. You, yeah. can't, you can't have a lob without the other person. Yeah, you got it. You can't get that dunk. You can't get that slam if the other person didn't lob it up there. And if the lob goes misses the guy and he can't get it, it was a bad pass. Right. So yeah, you you needed me to throw you the lob. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so that's the abortion joke. And I, you know, that's uh, and the joke. I love the joke. And it's about me talking to my kids about it and about the you know what's going on in America right now with that. So. Fuck it. I think we all, I think, I think it's important. I think it's important that we talk about Listen, everything. Uh, Dane Cook. Uh, and it, here's a little clue, because I, I know how people get annoyed, even though there's a fetish for this, and some people love it. Now that I'm talking, you can chew. But as you're chewing, yeah, move the mic yeah. so that people don't hear it. Um, one of the greatest abortion jokes, I don't know if it's greatest, but the abortion joke I heard Dane Cook when he said, uh, what if when you die, you meet your abortion in heaven. The kid, and he goes, hey, little fella, what's your name? The kid goes, and he's, you know, little kid's sad face. Abe, Abe, abortion. <laughs> and, I, and I know Jim Jeffries, and I saw that famous clip or his stand-up where he talked about the dude, the, the, dude, the wife's husband wanting to fuck him up. Uh, after they walked out and she walked out in tears over an abortion joke. I'm telling you, it's the guiltiest pleasure when you can touch the trigger topics and make it great. If you don't make it great, well then, yeah, you've given a person ammo, even though it's subjective, to ridicule you and be upset. If it's not a great joke. But even, but even if they do, fuck it. It's subjective. But if it's undeniably funny, yeah, go fuck yourself. What's undeniably though? The whole room laughing, seventy percent of the room laughing, fifty percent of the room laughing. Where what, is there a line on whether you could go? I, it was needed. You just you, it's a feel, a feeling. I'm not disagreeing with and that. And you know it. When, like like listen, when Corey does the thing about the you know rebooting the set, even the women who don't want to like it are shaking their heads with that smile, like mm, that's fucked up. I shouldn't be laughing at this, but it's so good. You go. Come on, man! You're lying to yourself, dude. When you're when you're outside and the, and if you see someone walking and they trip, kind of, and they fall funny, not like where you want them to get hurt, but they fall down. 
Once you know the person is all right, you laugh your ass off. Or even if you don't know they all right, right. you still laugh. If they felt funny, if they if they look like they try to keep their balance and they came on for a long time and then they you can't help it that we laugh at inappropriate shit because, like I said, it's a coping mechanism. And you got to let it go, man. These people that are out in the world trying to tell you what is funny and what is not funny, that, that's not real. If you laughed at it, guess what? It was funny. And there ain't nothing you can do about it. Right. I couldn't imagine having a girlfriend or calling you my girlfriend and you, that's your take. Me and you were at a comedy club and you get upset at a joke like that and you my girl, especially if you know I got a sense of humor. Well, you've seen it where people have walked out and yeah. the guy's sitting there and he feels like an asshole because his girl got a, and now he wants to stay. But what's he going to do? In Ontario. Mm-hmm. And I might, excuse me, I, we're, we're just picking out. That we might have that footage that, that Mark shot yeah. of, of, of him, the white woman. She was so, and Shamor was at this show. It was, and it, it, this joke has been done. It isn't like this is just, just a woman had, had an issue with it, took offense. So what we're not going to do that joke because it affected one woman. In a and, and listen, way. people, <clears throat> fellas, Fellas, if you go with your girl to a comic club, before you got the car, you'd look this bitch in the face in the car and go, look, this motherfucker, and especially if you do your your research and you know the comic, listen, this motherfucker go hard to pay. If you can't handle it, then maybe you don't need, this is not something we need to do together. Or, you know, don't say you want to sit up front and sit your ass in the back. Because, you know, I feel bad for the men that have to defend their women's honor. Because that's your woman. So because she mad, you got to be mad. And it's really a disservice to yourself because we can see you having a good time. Yeah. And to have that taken from you is fucking foul. You know, and I'm just sitting here like, I'm sitting there looking at this dude like, and he told me, he stood up and said before he left, hey man, I love you. I love everything you do. I've always followed your work. You the goat. Blah, blah, blah. Uh, oh boy. I'm taking all this pizza in that Aries is eating. Uh, I need more time to make the proper gay joke. Uh, but yeah, I, I, to, to just have him robbed of his time, I felt bad for him. Um, and I believe men want to stand up for the woman. They want to defend their honor, but, that but not over a joke. Yeah, right. Um, the only time you should never defend your woman's honor uh, is during a comedy club, and if Mike Tyson. From the 80s or the 90s, slaps her on her ass and then looks at you and say, what you going to do? I don't even think you want to defend Mike today, Mike. But Mike today wouldn't do that. <laughs> no, he wouldn't. He's, a different, he's a different Mike. But if that Mike happens to come out, I think everybody should just leave. I, I, think, I think you should go. <laughs> what if Mike smacked your woman on the ass and you turn around like, nigga? And he goes, I think you should go. Yeah, I think you go. You smack my woman on the ass and you telling me I should leave. I think you gotta leave. You gotta go. <laughs> you gotta go. <laughs> he's only he's not telling you anything to be mean. He's telling it for your own safety. Right. Um, I wanted to make one more point uh on this on this joke. Uh fuck, I lost my goddamn train of thought. Um damn fuck, I lost my train of thought. I wanted to make one more point. Can't remember what it was. Bring it back. You'll bring it back. Yeah, maybe, maybe if I can think of it. 
Um, yeah, man, just, 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 just come on, man. The, the moisture. Uh, comedy's raw. Real, com- real good comedy is raw. It's uncut cocaine. Here's the, here. I'm gonna make one more point though. About yeah. It. This is what I, and this is what I really irritates me the most about comedy. So you go see a comedian, right? And you sit there for, in my case, a half an hour. In your case, over an hour, right? Mm-hmm. And you like the whole show, except for five minutes of a joke that you don't like. Right. Now you still have a problem. That would mean everyone you meet, you have to like everything about them. They couldn't have any disagreement with you. They couldn't side with a different side than you agree on. And that one five minutes out of the hour and 15 minutes, hour and a half you spend with them. Now you can't like them. Now your your objective is to is to take them down because five minutes of an hour and thirty minute conversation you didn't find happiness in. I, I think we have to realize that we're not going to agree on everything, and if the agreement on the, there might be some things in life that there is that there's a red line and they can't cross it. But on comedy, on jokes, knowing that it's a joke. I, I just can't understand that. That's that's a place where there's not a red line. That's that's a subjective line, and you have to you have to adjust accordingly. If you don't like the person after that, and you never want to see them again, that's fine. But to make a to make this an issue where you're trying to take someone down when you know everyone else is understood the joke, that that is, it's just foul. You know, when you told me how Tara has a weird sense of humor, but that that works for you in y'all's relationship, it makes me go back to saying again. It would be hard, like like my baby mother, my Puerto Rican baby mother. I said before, her laugh is so infectious; it lights up a room. Her laugh, your laugh, you guys have a cackle that when someone hits you hard enough, it's enjoyable enjoyable to be around. And part of why we vibe is because we have that same comedic sense of humor. So I'm just again, I'm going. If you're a dude and you have you have a girlfriend that says something so vaginal. Like, well, I thought he was a comedian, but comedians are supposed to be funny. How miserable is your life with her? Because that means she's the type that, you know, is going to hold you back or, main, uh, again, rob you of what should be your good time. Because if that's how she views that, if she says shit like that, dude, ew, you stuck with that. I, I don't get that. I, I, I had, I've been around some girls that have a horrible laugh. Great personality, nice. Right. Even before I was a comic, if I had a and I love laughing, I always have loved going to see comedy, being part of comedy, even right. when I wasn't doing it. But if I had to hear a horrible laugh, I had to break up with them. Right. Let alone someone who didn't laugh, just a horrible laugh. Yeah. And what I and what I love about Tara too is she'll laugh. She'll laugh at something funny, but she doesn't laugh at anything. I think she is in this other mode because of what I do. She won't laugh at things that are kind of funny anymore. You know, she'll go, it was funny. But right. if it's funny, she she has a good, hearty laugh. And then I'm going, okay, that's that one's one that needs to come out. That one needs to be seen. Uh, and makes me work harder. So I really appreciate that. I'm going to jump on something so you can take a bite. Um, since we're, we're talking about comedy, <clears throat> you know, dude, something happened last night. And that also happened in Ontario that I had wanted to mention, but last night made me remember Ontario since it was just a week ago. Um, You know, I really hope that in my next life, if there is such a thing, which this will be a tie-in later to something I want to 
I want to talk about too that I thought was interesting. But I hope that in my next life, if there is such a thing, that when I come back, I either come back as this type of dude or better. But there was a dude last night when he walked in as we're selling merch. The last couple people, excuse me. Uh, oh, goodness. Y'all getting it live in the flesh. The, la- the last couple of people at the table, as they're leaving, they're letting in the new, the, the people for the next show. So people are coming in, and they're seeing me by the table. I, some people, eyes popped open, jaws dropped. Oh, shit, Aries Spears. And there was this one dude who was like, yo, Aries, what's up? And he kind of threw some peace signs, one on each hand, and he did it like this. He was real aggressive and amped up. And it, immediately I went, this dude is too hyped. So then in the showroom, I'm walking around how I do. I'm casing the joint. He sees me. I could see him with his people looking over. And, you know, he's working himself up. I, I could just, I've done this long enough that I could read certain body language and I know what's coming. So he comes over. Hey, yo, man. And, and you know what, people? Let me tell you something. Stop telling me this like I've never heard it before. Yo, I can tell nobody in here know who you are. It's like I'm the only one that know. No, you're not special. People know. Trust me. I feel the eyes on me. I feel it. Everybody's looking. They paid to come see me. It ain't like they, they paid to come see who's the guest comedian tonight. And then when I show up, it's a surprise. They know that they expecting me. So all the eyes are on me. I see it. You're not special. But these people come up and go, yo, man, it's like I'm the only one to notice you. And since I'm the only one, I'm coming up showing you love unlike everybody else. Yo, let's get this picture. And before you even give me a chance to say yes or no, you already got the camera in both our faces. Your hand, your thumb is already on the on the, on the the click button, on the, on the button. So I move my man's arm, and he was too hyped. And, I, and what worried me about that energy was I was going, if if it, if it's to be, this is going to be the guy that's going to yell out and be a problem. So I said, hey, I moved his hand with the phone. I said, hey, man, after the show, you look too hype. And he goes, after the show? I said, yeah, after the show. You got me? I got you. Three times this went on. You got me? I got you. Yo, you got I said, I got you. But I could tell, and of course, after the show, he he never showed up. I, and I could tell, because when he went back to his table, I could tell he was a little dejected, maybe a little embarrassed. And now let me go back. Ontario, after the show, you didn't see it because you was at the merch table setting up. This dude jumped on my back, and he put his arm around my neck. And he was so aggressive in the way he was jumping up and down that it forced me to jump up and down with him. And this nigga acted like we knew each other and we were two best friends who hadn't seen each other in years. And the, and the security guy grabbed him. And at the same time he grabbed him, I mushed him. And we both pushed this nigga against the wall. And I said, get the fuck off me. I don't know you, nigga. And I just went to myself, you know, I don't ever want to be that guy, I, I, you know, in my next life where people build up in their head this relationship that they have with you. Because again, whether you are an athlete, a singer, a rapper, a comedian, an actor, whatever it is, people go to your games, they put your jersey on with your name on their back, they get your image tattooed on their body, they name their kids after the players. 
You know, they watch you on TV. They hear your music. They allow you into their lives so they feel like they have a connection with you. And then before meeting you, and we all do this. I've done it. They, they make up a, a fantasy in their head what it'll be like to meet you. And they sit there and go, yo, based on the Vlad interviews, Aries seemed like a real nigga, humble, you know, blind. He aggressive. I'm aggressive. I'm a real nigga. We're going to get along. The minute I meet this nigga, we're going to be fucking throwing back brews, smoking weed, slapping high fives. Man, we're going to have a time. And look, if and I say this over and over, if you meet me at the right time, right place, I am that, I am that guy. But when you see me, and especially to the people that listen to this podcast, when they, when they go, man, I listen to the podcast, well, then you know, when you see me at a show and I got my headphones in, that ain't the time. It's game time. I'm casing the joint. My mind is doing shit. Afterwards, and I know all the people that have listened to this podcast and come up to us after the show will attest to this. When the show is over, we at the merch table. I, it's over. I'm relaxed. I, I got that out of my system. We, I'll, I'll slap hands with you and hug you like you're my relative, like you my family. If you see me in the streets, as long as you approach me with respect, I'm gonna give you the love, man, because that's who I am. But to these people that make up these fantasies in their heads and think that automatically you're just gonna come up to me too aggressive or at the wrong time and I'm gonna be that guy, you're gonna be disappointed, y'all. You're gonna be disappointed. Listen, I've played the, the fantasy in my head a million times, meeting Michael Jordan. But every famous person that I've idolized or loved or had admiration for that I've met, I proceed with caution because I'm prepared for it not to go the way in my head that I think it does. Hence the, the saying, "Never want you never want to meet your heroes. When I met Nas, I was like, yo, I, I want this nigga to, you know, and he did, lucky for me. But... I'm also going, proceed with caution. Don't be in that nigga's face for a lot, a long amount of time. Read the, read the situation. If he seem like he ain't receptive, get a man his flowers, get the fuck up out of there. And I think that people, you have to proceed with caution. Otherwise, you're going to be disappointed. I know I took a lot. But no, no, it's, it's fine because you're 100% you're correct. I don't know how many times uh, people... I'll see people or I'll hear your stories. They go, what's this comic like? Cause I met him and he was an asshole. And I was like, he's, he's not an asshole. Like you just met him with the idea that you had of who he was going to be. And just because you see us, see Pete, not us, <laughs> not me, but just because you see famous people on, first of all, when you say, especially uh, not even comedians, but actors, I see this happen a lot with actors. They're playing characters, man. You don't know if that's even close to who they are. You know, some of that, character has them in it because they're in it but you don't know who they are and then when you meet people comedians yeah we're funny on stage that's our job is to be funny on stage but we're not always funny and we have real shit that's going on in our lives too something funny on stage yeah. <laughs> but you never know what someone's going through when you go to meet them and yes everybody has these fantasies and i'll never forget the first time that i blew it with the comic uh luckily i was able to meet him again but um I, I, I've told, I told the story to other comics, but now I don't think I've told it on this podcast. When I first met Dave Attell, who was like one of my comics, a New York comic that I feel is like in New York com comedy is legendary. And I let him know that I was a fan. And, but I was like, man, you know, I said too, I said too much. And here's the thing about Attell. Uh, if you're a fan, 
That's fantastic. He he knows where you are. He knows you're in the audience. He knows how to deal with you. You're a fan. But I was a comedian, and he didn't want fans in the green room. He wanted other comedians in the green room. Right. And so you don't need to be a fan when you're in the green room. Otherwise, you're not a comedian. you got to pick which one you are. Are you a fan or are you a comedian? That's a great point. And that's when I learned this about the job that I had. And because he made me very aware, and he wasn't mean. It was just I could tell that I fucked up. And you know when you fuck up. Like the people that that dude who jumped on your back. In his head, at that moment, it might have been the greatest idea. You think that's a good idea. Whatever it was, but I know that he, to this day, when he thinks about that, he goes, man, I I know he has to think he fucked. There's no way he jumps on your back, grabs you around the neck, and thinks it wasn't a fucking. physically jump on somebody's back. That's not the first time. Put your arm around them. That's not the first time I've seen that happen to you. I saw that happen to you in Vegas when we were walking down the street. Do you remember that one dude, this white dude came up to you and goes, Aerie Spears, and just grabbed you. And you had to push him off you. You, you wow. like, what are you doing? Yeah. Because people get so excited about the moment and the fantasy of what they want that moment to become. And it's funny because you may not be the person that they think about every single day, but they might love you as a comic, and then they run into you, and right. an instinct, bad instinct, takes over. Not everyone. Not everybody right. has great instincts. Right. Right. Bad instincts take over. But you just got to really know the moment, and you got to understand you don't know what the other person's going through. You exactly. might exactly. They're human beings, man. They're not objects. You may meet the nicest person in the world, but he might have just had some shit happen to him. His girl, right. he might have walked in, his girl sucking somebody else's dick, and now Oof. he's walking down the street, and you <laughs> jump on his back. How is that going to work out? Right. You don't know the moment. So people need to think That's about like that. That's like that footage of the guy who uh, wanted a picture with Mike Tyson. And he just walked up to Mike from the back, threw his arm around Mike's neck, put the camera in front of Mike's, and Mike elbowed this nigga in the face. Like and it's like when you talk about if you when you talk about knowing someone yeah you don't know him personally but goddamn it if you know anything about Mike Tyson have you not seen the footage? Well, you think that's a good idea with him? What do you think? What do you, what do you think someone who's from Brownsville is going to do when someone comes up behind him that they don't know is there and puts their arm around their neck? You think they're going to lovingly lovingly embrace you, or right. they're going to give you the fastest way to get out of that position? That Let me tell you, in? I saw a, a clip recently on Instagram. Lennox Lewis was taking a picture with a fan. And, you know, the, the, the standard thing to do when you take pictures of boxing, to throw the fists up. Here's what this dude did, though. He put his fist right near Lennox's face. And Lennox, look, was pissed, threw that motherfucker's hand back and walked out the picture. Again, God, please, in my next life, let me be this guy again? Of course, you always want to be better. But if you're not going to make me better, then at least let me be this guy again, because I don't want to be that guy. That you don't have enough sense and wherewithal to go, why would you think that's okay? You know why what would I, you think that's okay? You know what I want to come by, back is in my next life? A fly. Why? So you can get swatted? No, because you only live like 24 hours. I think the longest to fly lives is 72 really? hours. Yeah, so you only, you only have that lifespan. I didn't know that. That's and, an interesting fact. And... And I want to be able to just be that fly that bugs the fuck out of the people that fucking irritated me in my life. I want to be able to just... Then you, to, want to, <laughs> you, want, you want to live in Africa. I want to just go, mm, and just fucking ruin that person's day and then come back, you know, right. and ruin someone else's day. That, that would be fine with me. Yeah, so moral of the story, uh, people... Uh, ooh, that was a good one. Woo! That one went past Louie. Yeah, oh boy. Yeah. <laughs>
I'm Louis with Cosbyisms, nigga. <laughs> no, there is Cosby's. Oh boy, Louis is. Oh boy. And Cosby's. Where, where did I put my? Where did I, where did I put my pills? Where did I put the pills? Because <laughs> if I can find out where I put my pills, and I know where I'm going to put my dick. And Louis, where did I put that chicken? Where did I put that chick? Oh, that's right. I let a black man eat it so I could eat him. <laughs> um. So the moral of the story, folks, uh, it's okay to like who you like, admire who you admire, uh, but just be careful, man, when you go to meet people that you call your heroes or that you admire. Proceed. I, I would say proceed with caution. That's all. Meet them the way you'd want a stranger to meet you. You're, yeah, don't because jump on you, niggas' backs. Yeah, you know them. They don't know you. Exactly. And that's what I'm saying. People think that because they know you so much and you've had such an impact on their lives, they feel like there's a connection. We, yeah, yeah, you feel one towards us, but we don't know you. We've never seen you. you. We come into your life. You don't come into our life. But if you come in, like, respectfully, like Harry said, yeah, maybe you do have a, a good conversation. Maybe you get something out of it, but you ain't going to get it the other if way. If Andy and I ever do perform in Europe, uh, Brandon, I want you to know <laughs> that there's no hard feelings. It's, it's all love, man. Just introduce yourself and just allow me to go, hey, cocksucker. <laughs> but see, that's what the podcast is about. I think there's more connection in the podcast because like the emails things. We have, right. we have a little bit of connection. Right. Dude, I, I, I was um, laying in bed the other night, and Godfather 3 came on. Ooh. You know, I'm going to tell you, man, it, it, it breaks my heart. It, it breaks my heart. Uh, <laughs> I got problems with the commissioner, young man. You don't make it any easier. Michael, they will fear you. Maybe they should fear you. That's one of the best lines. Temple like his father. All right. You are what you are. It's your nature. Stand by my side. Keep your eyes open and your mouth shut. All right. Um, so I was watching Godfather 3, and I just went, do you know how horrible Sophia Copeland's acting was? The critics trashed her. She was terrible. And I just went, Al Pacino was one of the greatest actors of all time. And this is the power of Hollywood politics because your dad is Francis Ford Coppola and the Godfather was his creation. You get to play Al Pacino's daughter in one of the most historic movie franchises ever. And the fact that her acting was so terrible, you would think Al, for his own legend and his own, what's the word I'm looking for? Legacy. Well, that's kind of the same thing. Yeah. But there's another word I'm looking for. Just like in terms of authenticity, Al would go, look, Ford, Francis, let me talk to you. Pull him aside. We can't do this. She fucking stinks. Like, wouldn't he go, get an actress, man. Okay, let me ask you a question, though. Do you think she was really that bad? Or, oh, Andy, oh, wait, yes. wait, 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 just, just right. hear me out. Or was the level of actor she was working with 
because Al Pacino's an amazing actor. Okay. Uh, Andy Garcia, amazing actor. Yes. And then you come you're in. Tyler Sher, Diane mm. Keaton. And you're an average. Joe you're, Mantegna. You're a very average actress. You haven't been acting your oh. whole life. And you come in, and they're they're up on this level. And you're coming in. I mean, it, it was what I'm asking is, is this like a is this like a like a bench player in college basketball, which is still a good player, maybe not to the elite level. Getting a part, you know, getting you know, getting uh, getting playing uh, playing with some NBA players. Does he look? Is that the difference in the look? You're still good. I see what you're going for, and I understand what you're saying, and and I, and I want to lean towards agreeing with you. But of a movie of this magnitude. It'd be different if she had a small little bit part, couple scenes. No, you're playing his fucking daughter. You're a big storyline. Remember, she gets killed in the yeah. end. You're a major storyline. Nah, son. Nah, I, you hired the right person. No. And I know you don't really like The Godfather 3, like most people. But when's the last time you saw it? Um, Probably a couple years ago. Andy, it's, if you think I'm exact, all her lines feel like she's reading off the paper. There's no levels of intensity. It was, and on top of that, she ain't really hot. Something in here, in the snout area, is ugh. She, she makes a good sparkling wine. Dude, there's a reason why she was never cast in anything else. She directed some of her own movies, and she okay, was a good, she's a, a good director. You could be a brilliant director, a, a director and a horrible actor. And she makes good sparkling wine. Sophia okay. Coppola. Uh, wine, uh, I think, but yeah, I, I'm not gonna, I'm not, horrible. I'm not, I'm just wondering if that's not the place. Integrity. Okay. That's yeah, the word integrity. I was looking for. I'm just wondering if that's not the place to start your acting career. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. I, I just, I'm, I'm just going, where's Al's integrity to where he go? Cause you can't be Al Pacino, Denzel Washington, Robert De Niro, a thespian, a great, an icon and not go, this fucking sucks. And if you have integrity, how you don't go, Francis, I know we're friends. You helped put me on. I love you. But come on, man. This is my integrity now. This is my legend. Because you think that once you get into a post and they cut it up and they get the right shots because they're taking more than one. Every time they're shooting, they're taking more than one shot. That you're going to get the right, you're going to get the right scene. You're going to get the, 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 when it gets edited, it's going to come out right. You're going to trust the director. You're going to trust them. And did he direct it, Francis Ford Coppola? Did he direct that? I don't, I don't even know. Let's see. He, well, even if he did, again, where's your integrity as a director? You don't go, yo, that's my child, I know, but nah, yo, this is a big deal. Yeah. Yeah. I, I just, I don't know. And I wasn't reminded of it until I saw it. What's with the whole incestuous angle? Remember in the movie, she's uh, Andy Garcia's first cousin. Yeah. He, you know, Andy Garcia is Sonny's son. Yeah. And she's Al's daughter. Yeah. That's her cousin. And they carry on a full-on incestuous, what kind of shit is this? Cousins, man, I don't know. That's allowed? That's not weird? That's not frowned upon? I think it's frowned upon. I think uh, I think even second cousins is frowned upon. What's the level of cousins that's this, this deemed acceptable to fuck? Third cousin. So you can fuck your third cousin? I think you're far enough away that you can... Where there's no retardation happening. Or there's, other, there's just other things. Like they say in small places that uh, a lot of cousins do uh, get together. 
is because of the amount of people in smaller countries. And some of those smaller countries, that's why they have teeth problem. You know, they have like right. you know, jaw jaw issues and teeth. And, and and so it does come out when cousins are get together. Uh I, I think first cousins is legal though. I don't think it's illegal. I'm not sure. I, I've never been attracted to a cousin. Uh so I don't know. Uh, I, I didn't have to question it, <laughs> but I think that that's kind of funny too. That you know, if you have to question it, uh, maybe if you know what they say, if uh, you can't, if you need, if you have to ask how much it is, you can't afford it. Yeah. If you have to ask, you know how far, how many gener- how how far your cousin has to be, you probably shouldn't be fucking him. I used to fuck all my goddamn <laughs> relatives. Didn't mean shit to me. Hurley. You actually had sex with one of your cousins? I had a fucking orgy with all four of them. That way I covered all my goddamn bases. Fuck, you know we ain't got no fucking money, bitch. We live in a trailer park. So the more I fuck my cousins and have retarded relatives, that may we can collect on disability. I don't have to work honest day in my fucking life. <laughs> That's actually genius, Hurley. I know that, Sue Ann. Now grab me a fucking beer. Before I call Matt Rife and make sure that when you go to your fucking diner job, people are asking fucking questions, bitch. Uh, <laughs> I don't know about uh, cousins, but I do know that uh, stepsister porn is a big deal right now. What? That's a thing? Stepsister porn. It's not real. They're acting. They're acting. Oh, well, then it don't mean shit. Yeah, but that's that's the that's the genre stepsister porn. If it was real, now we talking. You, you, you just might have opened up a lane. There was okay. This Uh-oh. is I heard I heard I, I this was in the news. I'm gonna have one more slide. Yeah. Keep talking. This was in the news. There was uh, uh two porn. It's a porn stars, but I guess it's a family business. The brother and sister, and they're in porn, right? And there's like this uh, 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 glory hole porn that they're doing, and she said. Uh, they said it just better not be. Uh, she said, I don't know if she said it before or after. I didn't know that, you know, they had rules in this thing, but she said that it can't be my brother. And uh, they didn't tell her, but she's, she did uh, suck her brother's dick. And uh, she was like trying to sue the porn company, I think, for uh, uh, letting her suck her brother's dick. You never had your dick sucked <laughs> by your sister. Then you don't understand what a good blowjob is. Who better to suck dick than a girl that's been knowing you since you were both in the huggies? Hurley, one time my daddy tried to make me suck his dick, and I had to remind him he was my daddy. And then he smacked me in the face, and he said, no, I am your daddy. That way, when I'm pumping you your ass, you better call me daddy. I love you, Hurley. I love you too, Swan, you fucking bitch. <laughs> yeah, well, well, you know where the line is now. <laughs> you don't know till you cross it. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. Let's go to a business. Um, let me finish chewing so I can just finish annoying some of. Oh, you know who this I hope chew chew right now, but talk about basketball real quick. Oh motherfucking the basketball right now. <laughs> Mike motherfucking Jordan. 
Kobe Bryant, WNBA. That motherfucker got to hear me talk basketball and chew. <laughs> no, no, God, sucker. Uh, you know, just because you did bring up basketball, or, or I did, uh, and I know you got something else you want to talk about, but you yeah. saw this new uh, show that uh, Charles Barkley is doing with uh, Gail King? King no, Charles on CNN. Really? It's a, is it a one one and done or it's a? No, they're going to do. Uh, they're supposed to have their. I guess like an hour. I guess I don't really? know. King Charles. Uh, so it's it's uh, uh, what what I just said her name now. I can't. Gail, Gail King. Yeah, how could you Barkley. say that, Gail? Yeah, <laughs> and and Sienna fucked it up. Uh, but yeah, it's they're going to have a show. Dave is my friend. Gail, <laughs> how could you say that, Gail? The dream don't get no closer. We got to chase them. Just three of us. Oh, Lonnie, there's no friends in this business. Just had to be. All right. Do you, it's just funny that Charles, CNN, of all, you know, you when you first heard Charles come out right. and he was going to be on, just his Charles-isms, the way that he pronounces right. certain things. Yeah. Would you ever think he was going to be on CNN? Yes, they love putting dumb niggas. He's on, not dumb. He's not dumb. Oh, come on, man. He does. He, he has an he, accent. No, nah, this nigga I once pronounced opinion, opine. <laughs> Dude, I can't that wait. That nigga to... said, let me tell you something, man. And my opine, <laughs> that nigga said opine, nigga. He just dropped some letters. He, man, he... why you going to quibble at it? I'm telling you, I think, I, think it's, I think it's amazing that he has a show. People love him. People love niggas that were once dangerous in their 20s that are now quiet little cute niggas in their 40s and 50s. <laughs> Dude, sometimes... Muhammad Ali in his 20s when he was loud, brash, confident. White folks could stand that nigga. Once he became a quiet Harlem shaker, they loved him. You know what? He's needed right now. Harmony? Yeah. He's, yeah, he's always needed. I know he's needed, but I mean, more than ever, I would love to have that, that comedian. They voice. were scared of Mike Tyson when Mike talked about raping kids <laughs> now that mike is old with that fucking morgan freeman beard and he's a kind gentle little nigga they love him he's a subdued ape they love it i think you could just do paul mooney moments every week yeah about the news just do the current events and just right. have paul mooney giving white his folks all oh, look he's not He's no, he's not a scary nigga anymore. He's calmed down. He went from King Kong to Mighty Joe Young. <laughs> Bubbles. That's better. They, I, they love Mike. They're like, oh, Mike, he used to be King Kong. Now that nigga is Bubbles. He's a quiet little, angry little monkey. Even if he gets upset, what is he going to do? Throw the Throw that nigga some banana chips. He'll calm down. He'll go from to they love it. They love it. That calm little monkey nigga. So I saw something. I can't wait till somebody ever watches this shit out of context. I'm just canceled for, from life. Not even from my from Yo, comedy. You do with a nigga alley. <laughs> um. So I saw, you know, dude, I, I am somewhat fascinated uh, with certain mysteries of life. Uh, one of, <laughs> what happened? When you were doing that, your knees hitting the table and you're, so you're cleaning your ear, but it looked like everybody else was cleaning their ear. Oh, all really? Oh, shit. <laughs> um, Neil deGrasse Tyson. Yeah. 
Uh, I think it's DeGrasse, but you know, whatever. Neil DeGrasse does. Yeah, if you weren't making fun of DeGrasse, Barkley, I wouldn't. DeGrasse, have, I wouldn't tomato, have... tomato. <laughs> let's call the whole thing off. Um, he's he was on a clip and he was talking about. Uh, well, I'm fascinated with what happens after you die. Yeah, and he was talking to somebody about what he believes based on science. Yeah. Um, so here's the clip. Uh... A lot of people want to know what happens after they die. You put together all scientific evidence, biological and physics. You have no existence after you die. And you say, well, what does that feel like? If you say I have no existence, what is that like? Wait a minute. No existence as a physical body or just... Everything about you that says you exist now, that you tell yourself I exist, I think therefore I am. In terms of my presence in the universe, yes. how I affect... is gone. You will have no existence. Laws of physics and biology tell us that. You can believe what you want in a country where we have protection of religious expression, but if you want to ask science what science says about it, you go into a state of non-existence. You can say, well, why is that? What's that like? I'll tell you exactly what it's like. This is what it was like before you were born. You're not asking yourself, what was it like before I was born? I had to have some existence. You, you didn't. You have no existence, a state of non-existence before you were born. So I'm not given reason to think that your state of non-existence in death differs in any fundamental way from your state of non-existence before you born giving that much more meaning to what it is you can and should do while you're alive in this world and afterlife for you i'm not convinced and because i'm not convinced i'm doing as much as i can in my own life a lot of people want to know what somebody made an interesting point in the comments and basically said ah a guy who's never experienced what it's like after you die telling you what it's like after you die and it almost brought me to that bill burr joke that he did on his half hour special when he was like, you know, it ain't like the guy, the, the preacher, is some guy that levitated out of the sky. Ah, your name is Rick. You failed at soccer, and now you're doing this. You know, like, a, like you, you're telling people what the gospel of religion is, but you don't know. Um, and I want to ask you, hey, what do you say to that? But before you do, this is why I say, look, man, if, in fact, this is the case, that, to me, is why death is so terrifying. Because the idea that we live this life, and if you're one of the people that live it for a long time, well into old age, to know what it's like to love, receive it, give it, sex, food, laughter, the pleasures that you get out of life. To know one day it ends and there's just nothing. That's terrifying to know that that's where you're headed. Now, some may say, well, was it any ter was it terrifying before you got here? You don't know. You didn't exist. So why would it be any different? But the thing is, okay, before anything happened before you got here, you didn't know. But now you know. You know what it's like to be, to experience pleasure on so many levels. And to know that one day all that's gone and that's it. That, that's terrifying to me. No, it's it's absolutely not terrifying to me. Oh my god! It's absolutely not. I, I think the way you go is what's terrifying to me. I mean, do you go painfully? Do you go in a horrible Even way? Even if you go peacefully in your sleep, dude. Uh, when 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 are you when are you supposed to get this uh, colonoscopy? Well, I just found out from this other doctor I saw. You can get something called I forget what she's called, what she what it was called. Colaguard. Colaguard. But the thing that with that that made me go. Ugh. They get your own stool sample. <laughs> I mean, I've done a lot of shit to myself where I go, yeah, well, it's me. 
But nigga. It just might not. You could just not wipe real good and send your underwear to him. <laughs> you low key come up with genius shit, bro. <laughs> the thing is, the Colgard, it's not, it's not as definitive. And and you can't with Colgard if they find like sometimes like my brother, he he had his done and he had little polyps in there. None of them were cancerous, but they were able to remove them. With the Colgard, you don't know any of that stuff's going on. So here. you really should get the colonoscopy. You should get the colonoscopy. Uh, if you're uh, if you're a person who uh, wants to maintain because you have a family history, you could uh, do that like every year. Go get use the Colgard, and then on the fifth year, get a get your colonoscopy again. But what I was going to tell you about it is, there was a moment I and I know I've said this to you on the podcast before when I had it and they knocked me out, and I and I awoke the best sleep best sleep but i didn't I, there was nothingness i was in a, a state of nothing but you knew you were gonna wake up but it didn't make a difference because if that's what that state is of nothingness it doesn't make a difference oh. it is such it's such a peaceful existence why would i why would i care but i don't agree with them completely because one of the things that i agree with them and disagree with them what he what he said is and the way that i like how he put it is you don't we never ask ourselves uh how it was before we were born we don't ask ourselves that because we have no ability to understand that. But there is something to that because as you're still cells that from the male and the female, there's cells to combine to make this. But how does, what are those cells from? And they say from the Big Bang Theory that you, we're all connected in some way. So if this is true, I don't think that we have the ability to understand what we were before or what we will be after. I understand his point that why even question it? Because no matter what, uh, you don't remember what it was before, and you don't know what it was before. So if you don't remember that, you're not going to remember passing. I think only the pain of passing is what it is. I don't think there's any issues when people pass. I think the issues stay with the people who are alive because we miss them. They don't miss us. They don't miss us. They're, they're where it, whether it's restful peace or whether it's something different, I think that you go on to that, that space and, and you, we leave this world behind. I, I'm not going to tell anybody what I think it is. Uh, I, I think there's more to it than just sleep, I, I think, uh, or, or passing. I think there is something else because we're all part of this universe and energy. The one thing I would have asked him, if, if you cannot destroy energy, we cannot create or destroy energy, but we are created of energy and we pass. So you can't destroy energy. So where do we come from and where are we going? Because if it can't be created or destroyed energy, then we must have some other purpose. That was one question I would have asked him in, in what he asked. But I, I have no well, problem well, passing. Like Nas has that lyric <clears throat> where he says sleep is the cousin of death. And, and at least when you sleep, and you know, we've all had a great dream that felt so real that when we woke up, we were mad. We woke up and then we try to force ourselves to go back to sleep never to reconnect to the dream and it never happens. But at least with that, you got the dream. But if you're telling me that it is absolute nothingness, not even a dream, that, that, I don't know how that's not terrifying to you. Because it's the absence of everything is nothing. And if you can't, if right now we smell, we taste, we feel everything. Right. And you know the pleasures of that. So to go one day, that, that's it. And there's no, but there is no pain. There's no pleasure. There's no weight to any of that. It doesn't make a difference anymore. And this is the only game. This is the, my, the thing that I, I find funny about life. When you say, you know, passing is the most fearful thing. Dude, living's the most fearful thing. This is the only game that we play. Like, I, I look at it as like Monopoly. We play this game because we want to win. We want to get around the, the board. We want to we create something that uh, leaves a legacy or a name or something. 
We all know we're getting, none of us are getting out of this. There is no win in this game. No matter what you create, unless you become comfortable with the idea well, that there's something okay, next. Okay, well, then if there's no win in this game, then at least while I'm playing, let me live on Park Place and Board. <laughs> I understand that. <laughs> you know what I'm I understand that is the, is, is, is the better option. I don't want to. What's the shitty properties? The purple and the orange, right? Uh, yeah, what? Oh, I can't even remember the yeah, name. Yeah, it's right. like the purple and the orange. Yeah. Or the burgundy. The brown. What is that? No, I can't remember. I'm not the brown is the really shitty no, one. Is that the one that's it's the one that's the it, two? The brown comes just after you pass go. Yep. And before that is Boardwalk and Park Place. So while we all playing this game, let me live there, though. Yeah. I'm going to take the railroads. Why? Hey, if you want to go on a trip, you can just get on, on the train and go. Plus, people to take the railroads, they got to pay you, right? Yeah. You're a Judy. Yeah, no, there's four, and there's four of them, and they're not expensive. So it's consistent money. Yeah. Ooh. But you ain't going to live on Park Place, just on... on uh, you won't live on the Browns. No, might, but I'll get, I get to do a lot of traveling. <laughs> it, 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 this life, it, life isn't... I, I, I just don't fear whatever is next. Whatever's next is next. I wish I had that, yo. I really do. And I know there are a lot of people like you who claim that and really mean it. I, they don't fear it. I, that I, it's the end. It's the end that I fear. Whether it's painful, I want to be. I want. I would like to know that my kids are in a good place. That that I would like to know. I would like to know Tara's in a good place. I would like to know those things are true, but I don't think we get that choice. So I, I can't fear it. I just can't fear it. I don't want to go out horrible though. I mean, I don't want to go out in a way that's just you know that's horrible. I had a friend of mine. She was only 33, 32 or thirty three who passed with cancer and she was, you know, it was tough and watching her go out. Um, but like I said, when I, my dad passed, I watched him pass and it was, it was one of the most sad, but beautiful things I've ever seen. So you just, I hope for that. Yeah. I think that's a show. Is it? Yeah. That, death. We threw death on the table and walked away from it. And I'm saying, <laughs> 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 all right man uh dates uh you know what i'm just giving out to the end of the year because uh we'll, we'll pick up next week i'll give out all the new dates that we have going into the new year but uh as of right now let me just give out these dates here Lindsay. sorry 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 routing there we go well we were in uh where are we we're in San Jose Improv this week, and we had nice shows. Let's give a little shout-out to the San Jose Improv. They've actually, uh, fi I think they fixed up the theater a lot nicer than it was before. It's starting to look good. They put, added some the, more the seats. The change doesn't look that radical to me. Uh, it's, it was understated, but it still looks like a historic building, and they kept. Uh, they added some seats. They improved all the tables. The furniture's new. They, they cleaned up the the stage a little bit. Yeah, I like it a little bit more now. So mm. I appreciate it. Uh, great shows. Good people come out all weekend. Uh, it's been a fun. Uh, but December 1st to the 3rd, we're going to be at Tacoma Comedy Club in Tacoma, Washington. December 7th through the 10th, we were supposed to be at Magoobies. That got moved to January. I think it's the third week of January, actually. Uh, call, get your tickets changed if you still have them. If you don't have them, get the new tickets. We'll see you there. Uh, so that's Magoobies in the Baltimore area. Uh, it's actually called Timonium, but uh, I gave you... Uh, Baltimore, because uh, we need all of you all to come out in that area. 
uh, December 15th to the 17th, Summit City Comedy Club in Fort Wayne, Indiana. December 21st to the 23rd, Bricktown Comedy Club in OKC. And December 28th to the 30th, uh, you know, guys, come on out. We're going to be, uh, this is the end of the year show. Uh, we're recording. We're recording. We got our, we got our guy out there yeah, uh, coming out. Uh, it's going to be a fun shows. Uh, really looking forward to it. December 28th to the 30th. Doesn't interfere with New Year's. You can still go do your New Year's thing and come see us before that. So uh, December 28th to the 30th, we're going to be at Washington, D.C., the Improv. Uh, excited to be back there. One of my favorite rooms in the country. Please come on out. Yeah. <clears throat> D.C., love it. Uh, you know what it is. That's a show. That's a show. Nothing goes down unless I'm involved. No blackjack, no dope deals, no nothing. A nickel bag gets sold in the park. I want in. <laughs> you guys got fat while everybody stopped on the street. It's my turn. Hmm. You think you're gonna live long enough to spend that money, you fucking hump? If any of you are tired of getting ripped off by guys like that, you come with me. I'm at the Plaza Hotel. You're welcome. You're welcome. Enjoy. <laughs> <laughs> 